Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. Love it. Turn with me, if you could, to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And uh, we're going to get into something here in a minute. But first of all, we're going to uh, pray for Ukraine. And uh, we've been praying now for couple weeks, and of course, Friday night, uh, Friday night, we had over 200 people come out for a prayer meeting. That's amazing. That's amazing, really. I, I was so shocked. I, this church is so funny. You know, when the church, when the service starts, there's about 10 people here. I've always thought, maybe we should change it to our meeting time to 10, 15. But then they would come at 10.30. I just know how this works. It's uh, but uh, we start, and I, so, you know, it was like that at the prayer meeting. There's a few people kind of moving around. I turned around in worship and looked, and it was, it was packed. I mean, it was just people all over the place. I was so excited because there's nothing more powerful than unified prayer. When you get people to pray for something, things happen. So I'm going to ask you one more time to stand up. I know you've been up and down, up and down, up and down, but that's good for you. you get cardiac uh, I love the quote. I shared it Friday night, but I'll share it again. President uh, Zelensky, I do not know him personally. He, he may be a great man. I don't know. You know, I don't know what he's like, and I'm sure he's offended somewhere one along the way and probably has sinned his life like we all do, you know. But he said something this week. I only said that because every time I say something, I go, did you know this? I get all these things sent to me, you know. But I'm, I don't, I don't, I'm not vouching for his character. I don't know. But I, I know that as a, as a famous comedic actor in the Ukraine. Somehow that prepared him to be a war president. I have not figured that out. Maybe it's able to look at things on the light side. I'm not sure. But as he was put into that office just about, I don't know, three or four years ago, whenever it was, he, he began to emerge and begin to you know, establish himself as somebody who wanted great liberties in, in Ukraine, and then uh, the Russians invaded, as we know, several weeks ago. And he said this uh, at, at the time, you know, everyone's trying to figure out how to help, and the United States offered a lift out of Ukraine, which is what typically happens when a country's under attack. Uh, they, you know, take out some of the upper echelon people, uh, echelon people, and they operate in a neighboring friendly country. But so they... They go to him and they say, uh, President Zelensky, they said, uh, you know, we'd like to give you a, a ride, a lift out of the Ukraine. He said, the fight is here. I need ammunition, not a ride. <laughs> I thought, I like that. That's, a, that's pres- very presidential, you know. He needs ammunition. We're not sending ammunition. At least I'm not. You may. I don't know. But anyway, we're not sending ammunition, but we're providing ammunition right now in prayer. So we're going to pray. Anyone here that is from the Ukraine uh, or you have a, you know, you have family that lives in the Ukraine, just real quick, come up here across the front. I want to pray for you. Any any Ukrainians? We had a bunch uh, Friday night, but if you're here, we may or may not right now, but come on up if you're Ukrainian. Uh, you have family that lives in Ukraine or you're from Ukraine, come on right here in the middle. We just want to pray for them as a representation of the country. And uh, uh, this may not be done in a lot of places, I don't know, but we also want to pray for Russia. Yes. And just want to, so if you're, if you're Russian, 
uh, we would like you to come up and stand right here. If you're, you're either from Russia or you have friends that, or you're a family that lives in Russia, we'd like to pray for you. I know we have had some uh, here uh, over time in the years, but I I'm not sure right now. But if we do, just come and stand. We're going to pray for both countries. So here we go. Just stretch out your hand toward the Ukrainians here. Thank you for coming up here. We bless them in the name of the Lord Jesus. Tom, good to see you. We just bless this whole group, Lord. Lord, we ask, Lord, for... We know the fears that can come upon people if their country is under attack like this. I ask, Lord God, a peace that passes understanding right now, Lord. You would move on behalf of the Ukraine. Lord, this is definitely a, a David and Goliath situation. And Lord, we pray for the David. We pray for worship. As we've been seeing throughout Ukraine, as churches are meeting together, Russians and Ukrainians meeting together and worshiping God. And so, Lord, I pray for the very spirit of the kingdom of God to invade man's plans in the name of Jesus and for righteousness to rise as this plow has gone into the Ukraine. I pray, Lord, for seeds of righteousness to be planted right now. And we ask, Lord, now let's, let's pray crazy prayers right now. We ask, Lord, that you will stop the invasion. Come on, right now, just pray that. Intercede for that. Stop this invasion, Lord God. Stop the unnecessary death, Lord God. Protect the children, protect the women, protect the men, Lord, that are being thrust into battle, Lord. We just pray, Lord God, for a peace to come upon the Ukraine. May it become a, a spiritual awakening, a hinge of spiritual awakening where we saw something so horrible and yet in a moment, God transformed it. And I pray, Lord, it'll give hope to people all around the world that are living and suffering right now, Lord. May the Ukraine become an exemplar, an example, Lord God, of the goodness and grace and mercy of God in a difficult situation. And we pray, Lord, for all those in the higher levels of government, Lord, and even President Zelensky, Lord, you'd protect him, you'd guard them, you'd protect them, Lord. And we ask, Lord, for a peace to come again to the Ukraine. And for the Russians, Lord God, of which we apparently do not have any right now, Lord, we pray right now for Russia. I, Lord, I know people in Russia. I've got friends in Russia. Lord, these are good people. Lord, I pray, Lord, it is not the Russian people that are the problem, Lord. It's, it's wrong thinking at the top and we speak right now with whatever authority we have in Jesus Christ and we declare to President Putin peace be still speak to it right now speak to it in the spirit peace be still right now we speak to the storm that's in his mind and those that may be pressuring him Lord we pray Lord for that that uh, cabinet group that he has around them the advisors I pray Lord for dreams Lord if necessary nightmares I pray Lord for dreams that will come upon them Lord that they will see their entire well-being being sucked out of existence Lord the Lord that you would bring common sense upon them that they may see with an understanding that is beyond their ability and even for some, as we have heard, there would be a revelation of Jesus Christ that would come into their lives and they will stop this, this unnecessary brutality, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, bless Russia, Lord. Bless them as a nation that's orthodox. Bless them, Lord, to rise up in Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord God, whatever it takes for Russia, protect them, raise them up, and may there be repentance among their leadership in the name of Jesus. And finally, we pray for the nations of the world that are concerned about nuclear engagement and all of that, Lord. Lord, Lord, protect the children, Lord. Protect ears that are hearing. 
eyes that are seeing and minds that are digesting this. And I pray for peace, particularly with Christians. Christians may be men and women of peace right now, carrying the very gift of God into every household and every place they go. When they hear people getting all whipped up and all stirred up about this war, World War III and everything else, I pray the peace of God will come. In this place right here, out of these believers, Lord, we will speak peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's thank the Lord for that. You may be seated. Thank you very much. God bless you. All right, let's open our Bibles. Because of this war, Jerry preached a great message last Sunday um, about Legion and how Legion's destiny was just knocked off track a little bit and Jesus came along and delivered him. There was a war going on in his heart. Jesus spoke the words to him and delivered him potentially of thousands of demons, delivered him out of a grave site, basically a cemetery as we would know it today. And he came out, he was broken, he was naked, he was, he was bloody, he was in, in change, the whole deal. And then Jesus comes, Jesus kind of changed his journey a little bit, went to that man, and that man instantly, when he was delivered, went out and began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's how fast God moves in a person's life. And so I heard that, and it stirred me. I was watching it on the internet. I wasn't here, and Jerry had a camo jacket on. I think he's got it on today. I just thought, this this guy's declaring war right now, spiritual war. And so I thought, let's do that. Let's spend March, you know, marching, (laughs) marching through March, declaring war in a spirit realm. We are not going to be angry at Russians We're not going to glorify Ukrainians. We're going to pray for peace. And we're going to know that it's not just a natural war that's going on, although these are real bullets, these are real tanks, these are real missiles. But there's something that can transcend that. Even from here in Cleveland, Ohio, we can pray things that will actually exact the very vengeance of God upon evil spirits that try to disrupt nations and destroy innocent people. And so uh, I was, of course, studying that after I heard uh, Jerry's uh, uh, message last week. And it took me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. So in 2 Corinthians 10, we're going to look at verses 3 and 5. It's actually, I preached on this about two years ago. I think it was somewhere around March or it must have been right after the pandemic started. Uh, I was feeling this, I preached a little series on warfare. And so I'm, um, I'm going parallel to that. And I always look back to see when I've spoken on these things before, uh, so I'm not repeating anything unnecessarily. But in in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 5, it says this. This is so powerful. And though we walk in the flesh, now think about that for a minute. Let's, Let's meditate on segments here. Although we walk in the flesh, in other words, we are spiritually in Jesus Christ, you've been born again. Everybody agree to that? In Christ, you are born again. Literally in the Bible says born from above. We're born from above, but we live beneath. (laughs) We live down here. Our spirit, our heart is of above, but we are in a physical body. We will have pain. We have difficulties. We have trials. It even says in James, what's it say? I didn't, this is kind of spontaneous, but count it all joy when you encounter various trials. They're a testing of your faith. So some things are gonna come to you that, you're not going to have to get, you're not going to be able to get over. You're going to have to go through. Some things you'll get over. There is some, uh, sometimes immediate deliverance of Jesus Christ, and I thank God for that. 
But there's some things that's like, I'm gonna here, hold my hand, I'm gonna walk with you through this. Through the fire, through the wind, through the rolling floods, whatever it might be, for, for the Lord will raise up a standard against the enemy in the midst of it. So God is with you and sometimes he will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So we are living in a fleshly realm, but we are heavenly beings because of Jesus Christ. So we learn how to speak two languages. Did you know that you're, you're bilingual? All of you are. It's not Spanish, it's not French, it's heaven and earth. You learn the language of earth, you move in that environment, but you also learn the language of heaven. The language of heaven and the strategies of war that are based in heaven are sometimes, actually most times, different than how we approach things here on earth. You may still move in the things that, I mean, there's certain things you can do that we've learned on earth that are actually good things because they're based somehow, it's, it's trickle-down effect from generations. Somehow it's based in the understanding of God's divine attributes and who he is, and they're good to do. It's good to be kind to people. It's good to be generous to one another and generous to people we do not even know in other countries. It's good to do that. It does something for your soul. It not only benefits that person, but it, it recalibrates your soul and the way you see and think about things. And we are meant to be people, believers in Jesus Christ. We're meant to be people who see things differently. That can cause problems. It can cause, you know, friction or whatever. But God calls us to see things, to hear things, to discern things, to understand things differently. So though we walk in the flesh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we do not war according to the flesh. You wait till I see that person, you know. Boy, if I could just get up fast enough to that Porsche and tell that guy what I, what I really feel about that, what happened there, you know. I got home my pizza. It doesn't have one of the ingredients on it. I, I should have looked. Why didn't I look when I was at the pizza place? I'm all the way home now. I have to drive five minutes to get back there. I'm going to let them know. What it's, I can't do it now. I'm too hungry. But when I get next week, I go in there. I'm going to tell them what they did. You know, we, we, are, we are plagued with this kind of a, a thing. And so it's an earthly thing. It's what we, we do what we were created to do in the flesh. We sin. We cross lines. We get angry. We get frustrated. And the Spirit of God, that's the way I always picture. I just picture like Jesus sitting on the throne of my heart. He's at peace. <laughs> he loves the pizza guy. And I probably didn't need that extra ingredient. So with him, it's like, no problem. No problem. It's okay. But I typically don't look at Jesus first. Because my emotions are going, but it's sometime I recognize, oh, I'm responding in a way that is earthly. God's called me through the Spirit to walk, to talk, to listen, to act, to speak as the Spirit would speak. Now, that's going to take your whole life to do that. I guess that's the good news, bad news. We do not war according to flesh. Look at verse 4. Okay, then what can I do? I've got to do something about this pizza place. Tip them really big. What? That's contrary to what I feel like I want to do. Perfect. It's perfect. Give him an extra tip and say, hey, this is the best pizza I've had in a long time. So it says here, our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. Literally, as you know, you've probably heard this many times. It's the word dynamite, where we get our word dynamite. 
So they're not carnal, but they're dynamic in God for pulling down strongholds. Now this is it. This is that great partnership I talk about with God. He will move in your life, but he's using you to do it. He's actually creating in what, well, any job you take, you, you have a moment where you, you hear what they, the boss is requiring you to do. Okay, I want you to be here, you know, from nine to five every day for whatever it is, you know. Uh, and and you're, these are your jobs, these are your tasks, you gotta get done, this is how you're gonna do it, let me show you how to do this. I mean, it's, it's, it's on-the-job training, OJT. On-the-job training. And so in the kingdom of God, it's kind of like that. The Lord puts these values within us and says, here, let's do this in the moment right now. You know, instead of me supernaturally zapping that pizza guy, and I'm like, whoa, what was that, you know? I just felt Jesus. Oh, Jesus, receive me into your kingdom. That's probably not gonna happen quite like that. He's actually gonna use you. He puts you on like a glove. And he says, let's try this together. I'll be the hand, you be the glove. I'll be the power, you'll be obedient. Well, Lord, let's do that. And he puts you on and you realize, I need to act like Christ, like it says in Ephesians 2. Mimic Christ. Act like Christ. Why do you do that? Because when you do that, it is programming your very soul. It is programming your mind, will, and emotions where the next time you're, it's, you're more apt to begin to respond the way Jesus would respond in a situation because Jesus has already showed you many times. It's called sanctification. It's the work of God in your life where you're becoming more and more like Christ. He declared you holy, and now he's, he's, you are that land that, that you're supposed to possess. You are now possessing your mind, will, and emotions, and ultimately you'll possess the senses that are in your body that you think toward things that are good. You do the Philippians 4 thing, and your mind is set on things above, things that are pure, things that are holy. When you see somebody when you see something that would normally be attractive to you, pornography or something like that, that you're, you're turned to, something's gonna click in your mind because you will have trained your very spirit, your very soul to say, I got that look, I see that it's wrong, it's registering very fast, I'm turning my eyes away from it. Job says, I'm making a covenant with my eyes. I think that's a good thing. When you say, Jesus, it may be a good daily prayer. Touch my senses today. Help me keep those in control. Help my mind, will, and emotions be that which is righteous before you. Why? Because in doing that, you are bringing Jesus to those individuals without you ever saying anything about Jesus. You are living a life that will be compelling and will be transformational. That's the way we fight our battles. What's that? How's that song go? This is how we fight our battles? Yeah, I love that song. It's so simple. When it first came out, it was a spontaneous song. But it's, what's it saying? It's saying, well, by, by worshiping, by praising God, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Double tipping, this is how I fight my battles. Telling someone how glorious they look today, it's just like the presence of God. This is how I fight my battles. I mean, God's giving us this, this way to fight that is so contrary to the flesh at times. But when you start getting in the rhythm of it, you're going to find out you have automatic responses over time to do that, which is right. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to adjust your rightness if you want to do something wrong. It's almost like you're having to hide Jesus in order to sin. 
Because something within me is reaching out and saying, no, brother, no, don't do that. No, brother, don't. I'm pulling, you, I'm pulling you back. Stay in the cage here. Stay in the presence of God. Stay in the ark of the covenant. Stay in the glory of the throne room. Let God move through you and in you. This is how we fight our battles. It says, so the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in pulling down strongholds. So not just little things, but actual ideological ways of thinking can be pulled down by the grace and mercy and the presence of Jesus Christ through you. Yeah. And sometimes it means electing people. We got Janet Porter right here in the second row. Stand up, Janet. Janet's running. <laughs> Janet's running for Congress. Uh, just stay up a minute. I want to pray for you real quick. What, di what, what district is this again? It's 13. 13. Yeah, 13, which is a really weird district. <laughs> Goes way up to like Lakewood or somewhere like that. Comes down the west side. Oh, it's it's Summit County and the top of Stark. Summit and North Stark. They just changed it. Oh, they shifted it over. All right. All right. Interesting. Well, let's pray for it. That's a big deal. There's only what uh, I take back to my government days. Uh, 435, is that right? 435 congressmen. Thank you. Cool. I'm starting to sweat on that. I got it. Okay. 435 congresspeople in the United States. She may be one of them here. We're going to pray for her. Lord, we bless her in the name of Jesus. Lord, we bless her as a godly woman, known her for years, godly woman, somebody who's pulled down strongholds already through the heartbeat bill and everything else, Lord. I pray, Lord, for an infusion of finances, an infusion of helpers, an infusion of divine appointments coming upon her with key people that will be spokesmen about her. And Lord, our, our highest prayer is that you would open this door if this be in your will, and we believe it is, Lord, you would open this door and you would allow her to walk in. And she would become, I've been bragging about you, Janet. I've been saying, if Janet Porter gets there, she'll be standing on the Capitol steps screaming. Yeah. <laughs> she will be a voice in Congress that they've never experienced because she's not touched in her heart by politics. And so, Lord, I bless that right now for her, that, Lord, she will become a voice, a voice that is heard in the midst of darkness in Jesus' name, amen. Let's thank the Lord for that. God bless you. Yeah, pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments. Oh, look at this. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, even in our government, you know me, I don't preach on government that often. I really just don't do it. I, don't, I haven't felt that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm a pastor, I, I lead people, but I tell you, there are, there are thoughts that are high in government that need to be pulled down. And, and in America, you can actually do it in the physical realm too. I mean, you don't get violent or anything, but you can you lift your voice. At least you're supposed to be able to do that. You can lift your voice. You can say something. You can declare. You can post it on social media, at least for one day. You can post it on social media <laughs> and hope that it doesn't come down. You know, so we are reaching into high things, but in the spirit realm, when we pray and when we act and when we move in love, you are affecting governments in prayer. You are affecting governments in your life because we know a warfare that is transcendent to our warfare. So Janet could run for Congress and she, we're gonna believe that she gets into this seat and we're gonna cover her in prayer the whole time. We're gonna say, Lord, give her a voice, protect her, Lord. Help her, Lord, to pull down arguments that have gone high that are wrong for the sake of this country and, the, and for the works of the kingdom. So that's good. 
anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, you go after in prayer. And in America, you can also put legs on it. So put some legs on that. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience and submission of Jesus Christ. Now here's the deal. I want to cover this and I don't have much time to do it, but we are a prophetic church. Now new people come to our church, they hear us say that and they go, oh, what does that mean? You know, is that, you mean like, like Armageddon and stuff like that? And yeah, well, we really don't talk about Armageddon too often, but, but uh, we are prophetic in the sense that we believe that Paul, the Apostle Paul, saw that the prophetic was a, a supreme gift. It was a gift that he hoped everyone would have. He said, I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. Amen. So he's, he's seeing that this is a, a powerful gift. Of course, that prophetic understanding is threaded all through scripture. I mean, the, the, the testimony, says this in Revelation several times, the testimony of Jesus. Now, there's a big debate on what that means. I think it means just anytime you mention Jesus, anytime you're the testimony of Jesus, his life, who he is, what he's about. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, when you talk about Jesus, you're not talking about the past, you're talking about the future. You're prophetically looking into a future and you're speaking an hour of the Lord any time you talk about Jesus. When I talk about Jesus, I am bringing heaven to earth. If you're a Panera and you just begin to, you know, and I've told many stories on this, I did it this week and, and I've had people come back and respond to me over the year, a couple of years now, but you, if you just say, are you a Jesus follower? Once you do that, you are, you are cracking open the very power and intentions of heaven into a person's life. A woman came up to me here Friday night. I do not remember seeing her or meeting her. I, I kind of recognized her, but she's from another state. Her whole family drove over for prayer on Friday night. And they are Jesus followers, man. They're, they're excited people for Jesus, little kids and everything else, you know. And she said, she said this. I, I love these kinds of comments. Do you remember prophesying over me 22 years ago? I said, no, I know. I always hate saying that. It's like, you're, you know, you're not important or something. I just, you know, I, I don't remember what I had for breakfast today. So, you know, it's, it's 20. She says, yeah, and, and 1999, you were at a church in the state that she lives in and you were prophesying over people and you came up to me and said, you're a mystic. I said, that sounds like me. I'm getting more familiar now. It sounds like something I would say. I said, you're a mystic. And you said some other things, talked about what would happen and everything else. And so she said, I didn't know what a mystic was. And I went home, that was 20, 23 years ago now. I went home, I looked it up and, and you know, there was a definition in there about mystic, but it, but it basically tied into something that has now become her career. So she is a, like a therapist that helps people with uh, uh, attachment, uh, attachment disorder. disorder. Yes, attachment disorder. She helps people reattach because of separation, trauma, separation of childhood, stuff like that, to attach people back to a, a healing reality of some sort. And then the Lord, get, after that word, the Lord gave her revelation how the, the whole world has been detached through Satan and the fall of man, and that actually Christianity is, is like a, an attachment therapy back to God, who is our source. And I'm there like, I kind of have no idea what you're talking about, <laughs> but I think I do. And that's really powerful, you know. 
And so we prayed for them, we prayed for them right there. And she's now ministering to people, she's ministering to marriages, getting people reattached back together because of trauma and situations that come in their life. I just thought, yeah, I didn't know these things are going on. This is so exciting that God is moving in what people do here in this realm, but using spiritual, dynamic, heavenly weapons in it in order to heal marriage, bring things back together that have been separated. We're going to need some attachment therapy in the Ukraine. Once this war ends, you know, we're going to have to go over there and say, you know, you know dis disengage them from thoughts of fear, particularly children and things like that. So I'm looking at it and thinking, over the years, when you prophesy, when you prophesy, you are, you are, at the very least, you're planting a seed. And it is a weapon. Don't be fooled. The prophetic can be very powerful to shape a nation. I could give you many illustrations. I don't have time. Shape a nation and what a nation does. I remember Derek Prince years ago. How many of you remember Derek Prince? Yeah, what a teacher. I mean, he was amazing. He, uh, he uh, a British guy, uh, uh, he passed away probably, I don't know, 20 years ago or so, 25 maybe. Uh, but he was part of a group, uh, Bob Mumford, Charles Simpson, Derek Prince, uh, oh, the guy in Canada, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, anyway, they were, they were known worldwide. They had, they had over 200,000 followers in the 70s yeah. when there was no social media, no internet, nothing. I mean, these are written in followers. That's huge numbers back then. Now, in today's terms, I don't know, it'd probably be 20 million or something. But the, they, were, they, were, they were conduits of understanding of God and his ways. Derek Prince, the Lord called him to move to Israel and pray over Israel. That was his job. He also was involved in World War II and actually directed uh, battlefields by his prayers. And he's got a great book on it, you know. So he gets into Israel and they're in a war in Israel, and he said they moved the, general, the general's headquarters, you know, because all of Jerusalem was in the battle. It was, it was like hand-to-hand combat in Jerusalem, and Derek and his wife, Lydia, are, are, I think it was Lydia, are living there, in there, and they, he's praying. He's saying, Lord, bring the battle to us so that we can pray for this, and all of a sudden, one day, the general comes up. They knock on his door, and they say, look, the general would like to use your, your back garden as our headquarters. Is that okay? He's like, all right. And so they set up their tents and everything. I mean, commanders are going in and out of there every day. And there he is inside. And he's praying. He's looking out. Can you imagine that? You imagine like the battlefield coming right to your backyard and you're praying. In Ukraine, they understand that right now. And so it came right to his door. And he said, Lord, bring them in that we might minister to them. Sure enough, the general comes in, knocks up. They offer him. A, he says, you have a cup of tea. Of course, that's important to an Englishman. You have a cup of tea. He says, sure, come on in. They begin to pray for this guy. They begin to intercede for him. They are literally waging a spiritual war through those who are doing a physical war. They're shaping the battles and they change the destiny for Israel in that city in Jerusalem. So I look at Brunswick. I go, what's our battle? What what do we need to shift here? Greater Cleveland, what is our battle here? This week, you'd be proud to know we were listed on the top 100 happiest cities in the United States. That's the good news. The bad news is we're in the lower 10. I think we're like 96. So we made the list, but barely. San Diego was way up there. Cleveland, not so much. I got really frustrated when I read that. I'm always frustrated at those things. And so the only thing I can do is I can tell a bunch of people I'm frustrated, which I do that too. But but I go to a spiritual battle and I go, Lord, I want this thing to change. I want the joy of the Lord to dominate this city. I want people to leave here and not even know what happened to them. 
like Las Vegas. They'll leave here and they'll go, well, I don't know what happened, but man, that's one happy city. I mean, everywhere I went, people are just full of joy. Well, what was it like? I don't know. I, remember, I ate food. I had some, went to a place called Little Italy. It was kind of great, but I don't know. Did a little jaunt over to Cedar Point. It was, it was great, but it wasn't all that. Well, the lake was beautiful and everything. The skyline is nice. All the people, there's food everywhere. But you know, it's just something about the fabric of that city. I feel like something otherworldly. May that otherworldly be the presence of the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. So we are in a high place here in Brunswick. They tell me if you go to the top of the silo, you're able to see downtown Cleveland. I've not been up there. But at the top of the silo, you can see downtown Cleveland. We are like at a high place. Military positions are always on high places because you have an advantage. From this spot right here that, that was we purchased through the weight family, W-A-I-T-E. There was a weight upon the Lord. We wait in this place. We are spiritually sending forth weapons, missiles into the city of love, joy, and peace. This city is not just gonna change. This city must change in the name of Jesus Christ. And so, I know, well, the clock just turned red. That means I've got really borrowed time right now, so. I know we're just folks. I mean, we, we're, we're Brunswickers. They, we were nicknamed, when I was a teenager, this was Brunstucky. It's all Appalachian people down there. It sounds, I thought, well, it sounds like a place I want to be. So I moved here and I've been here 25 years, you know. I started here 40 years ago. Uh, the Lord has, for some reason, carved Brunswick into my soul. I left here for 10 years and moved to New Brunswick, Canada. And while I was there, I was offered a vineyard church in Brunswick, Maine. But I didn't. Instead, the Lord spoke to me and said to come back to Brunswick, Ohio. Even when I came back, I tried to get a house everywhere else. I went to Richfield. I went all the way over to Westlake, everywhere else. And, the, and they'd say, you know, some good properties in Brunswick. I don't want to be in Brunswick. <laughs> Finally, a friend of mine who built houses, he said, he said you know, I think I've got a house that, that you would, you'd be interested in. I said, really? I said, where is it? He goes, now, I, know you, I know you didn't want this. <laughs> he said, but it's in Brunswick. I said, oh, no. it's a brand new house. I just built it. We're going to make it our model home. He said, but if you want it, you can, you know, we'll, we'll work it out. So I went over and like, it's like, it's like someone bringing you a puppy dog. You're instantly in love, you know. We were instantly in love. It was like, oh, no. I like it. Oh, Jesus, what's this thing with Brunswick? Can I not, is there not a Brunswick, Florida? Uh, Jesus, help me. But the Lord showed me over time, now 40 years, actually the first time someone spoke to me that I was supposed to be in Brunswick was my pastor. He was trying to get rid of me. My pastor in 1975, he said, if you go to Brunswick, you'd plant a church and you'll do great things. So here we are. It was a long way down the road. We're almost 50 years. <laughs> but what it demands is the supernatural component of heaven, the hand, the hand of God, but it needs a glove. And he's calling every one of us to be a glove. Some of you are the thumb, some of you are the index finger. We've got those who are apostolic and tied into the very presence of God. They're always up. 
Thumbs up. We get the prophetic. We're always looking ahead, prophesying to the future because it shapes our path and where we're going. Got the middle finger used for a number of different things. <laughs> but in this case, it's the longest of all the fingers. It's reaching out. It's outreach. It reaches beyond everything else and it gathers. When you hug somebody, you're hugging them. You're pulling them in. The ring finger, the ring finger is, is powerful because it's circled with an infinity of gold. It's precious, it's love. It's the pastoral aspect, but it speaks of, of love and caring for people that we are not only outreaching, but we wanna hug people, wanna embrace people, wanna build relationship. There's no greater joy that I get, honestly, when I look on social media and see people in our church together, eating together. I saw some folks over at Kim Snyder's house and Carl, you know, as, as part of our pastoral team, our, our lay pastors up in Middleburg, and I just, it brought me great joy. I just thought, this is it, man. God is welding together. The army of people, they're gonna affect the city through prayer and through action. And then finally, the last one is the, is the least of it. And the thing that we pray for, which I, I see as like the physical aspect, you know, it's, it's last, but it's still important. We, we keep our bodies in shape, that we keep our minds in shape, we keep our, our minds whole. And with that, God's gonna put that on a people that are dynamically outreaching. They're being sent forth. They have a prophetic word on their mind. They are evangelistic outreach. They're not afraid to engage with people. They want to engage them with love. And they also are understanding that there's simple needs that people have that we need to pray for. We need to give them money. We need to support them. We need to take up offerings, whatever we need to do to bless those people. And when we do, that, the Lord's going to have a mighty glove and he's going to destroy the powers of darkness in this city because love conquers everything. Love never fails and we are called to be a loving church. So what do we do? <laughs> that was my introduction. We, uh, this is pretty sad. Our strategy is to prophesy. We have a bunch of strategies, but our number one strategy is to speak into the eternal destiny and purpose of God into individuals' lives and into a city's life. We carry the words, many of the words that are being used out there over the city. The prophetic words from Tommy Tenney to, to all the, Bob Jones, all the other words. These words were given to us in our spiritual womb to tend to and see birth. We have a responsibility that First Baptist down the street doesn't have. We do. They have their responsibilities. Our responsibility is to declare the goodness of God over this city and to be an activated force in doing that. So here's the deal. You gotta volunteer. I know this sounds very basic and very earthly now. We're spiritual beings working on our, we need people to help. We need your expertise. We have PhDs in this church, a bunch of them. PhDs, we got people designing tires. Where's Sundar at? <laughs> He, he does the tires. I mean, it's amazing the things that, that are done within the, the con, content of what God has given us in people. It's a mighty army. I mean, there's landscapers here. There's teachers here. There's artists here. It's, it's phenomenal. We need you to carve off a period of time in your life and say, I'm, I'm devoting this to the corporate aspect of what God's called us to. And I'm glad we got at least four people excited about that. <laughs> I mean, we need ushers, we need all that. Those are great things. And we need, we need ministry team. We've raised up literally thousands of ministry people over the past 25 years. And I love it because even when they leave here, they take it with them. 
They're, they're prophesying over people. I, I get people all the time say, I thought you might want to hear this story. And they tell me, out of Arizona, out of California, all over, they've been scattered all over the country and all over the world, and will continue to be that. We love all that. We love all that aspect. But there's other things too. There's loving and serving the children in this church. We need children's workers. Those who will come and say, you know what? I'll give some time each, each month, maybe one Sunday or whatever, to minister to children, if that's your gift, or youth, or whatever. We need the gifts to come out. We need the gifts of strategy and understanding. I pulled a collective together this year of people that I just randomly picked out, strategically randomly picked out, uh, to be a part of my group. And I think we got 18 or 19 of us who get together every other month. And I just present them with problems that I'm pondering and ask them to give some input. And it gives us ideas and thoughts that we can work with. So we're going to continue to do that. It's a one-year term. We'll put more people in in a year. We'll continue. We'll run through until... Hopefully everyone in this church has an opportunity over the next 40 years to, uh, to be a part of that. I may not be a part of it, but you might. So what are we doing? We're trying to collectively gather the church together because this town, this city right now needs us in a time like never before. And this moment right now, after the pandemic, it's almost like this has been set up from other forces. We are now, the pandemic's over and we're engaged in a war. It's like, how coincidental is that? You know? And so it's interesting because spiritually the dynamic is we were splintered during the pandemic and the war is uniting the world together. I do not think that was the plan. I really don't. But we're seeing the world now. Everyone's wearing Ukrainian flags. Ukraine, I mean, that people can't find it on a map, but they're so excited about it. You know, we're going to pray for Ukraine and we're going to believe that they're going to get through this. You know, it's God raising up an army. This is the moment right now. Let's stand up as a sign that we are standing up. This is March. March. Friday, we had March 4th. March 4th. March 4th. What's today? Six? March 6th. March 6th. Through March, we're going to focus on this and we're going to pray. And we're going to believe that God is going to release the anointing of the glove. I'm gonna, we have to find some acronym to attach to that. The glove that we're the glove that gets under the hand of God and we see mighty things done in this city. Lord, I pray across this congregation right now. Come on over, Jay. This congregation right now, Lord, that you would move in power upon them. Lord, open hearts. I mean, with this play coming up matchless, Lord, you know our needs. We need people to help. We need people to be actors and designers and, and builders, like everything, everything you, you can think of, we need, Lord. I pray, Lord, you stir in people and say, oh, I don't know, Thursday night, why well, I got to, you know, there's Netflix, uh, blah, yeah, you can do that anytime. This right now, though, is, a, is a, a combined effort to reach a community and touch them with the power of the gospel. We need your help. We need your help in children. We need your help in youth. We need your help in young adults. We need your help in so many different things. Cooking, we need your help. Landscaping, we need your help. I mean, there's so many things. We, we need... Right now, to finish this current building, we need, we need a half a million dollars. I mean, for this uh, lean-to that's over here, what we wanna do in the lobby, what we're gonna do with children in the back, we need more space in the back already. Uh, we've contemplated putting a balcony in here. Uh, we've looked into that only because we, we need more room. Look around. I mean, we need more room. And so we are about to blow up in a good way. God is about to do amazing things in this church. And this is the time right now where we become the glove. We allow the Lord to put his son.
Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.